Support comes from Mosby Building Arts, a design-build company committed to remodeling the right way. Visit callmosby.com to get project inspiration for any room of your house. From the St. Louis Public Radio Newsroom, this is The Gateway. It's Friday, September 11th. I'm Wayne Pratt. As a child, playwright Melda Beatty was fascinated by stories from her elders. I find the experiences of the older Black generation fascinating. They're full of perseverance, they're full of of determination, of triumph, and they're also full of a lot of hardship. The Black Rep will present two of her plays this month. We will bring you details in just a few minutes. Also, today we mark 19 years since the 9-11 attacks. More than 1,100 students at the University of Missouri in Columbia have tested positive for coronavirus. The campus is not testing all students, just those exhibiting symptoms or with known exposure. As Sebastian Martinez-Valdivia reports, Governor Mike Parson insists colleges and universities are off to a good start for the academic year. Boone County, home to MU, has one of the highest growth rates for COVID-19 in the United States over the last two weeks. Students have complained about delays in case investigation and contact tracing. Governor Parson says his office is in regular contact with university leaders. And most of the universities are doing an excellent job. Understand the situation. They were prepared for that when these positive cases come. And they're going to continually to be there at this point. Nevertheless, Parson says 18 to 24-year-olds make up the population with the fastest growth in cases in the state. More than 7,000 Missourians in that age range have tested positive for the coronavirus since mid-August. I'm Sebastian Martinez-Valdivia. The Republican candidate for St. Louis Circuit Attorney says he has mixed feelings about legislation allowing the Missouri Attorney General to prosecute certain murder cases in the city. The state Senate approved so-called concurrent jurisdiction last week in a move Democrats called illegal. It awaits a vote in the state House. Daniel Stradowski says he's generally opposed to state government meddling in local affairs. However, I believe that the city has gotten so bad that any necessary help is should be welcomed or at least be open to. The city has seen 191 homicides so far this year, compared to 194 for all of last year. Stradowski was a guest on our Politically Speaking podcast. It's up on the website, stlpublicradio.org. We have extended an invitation to incumbent Democrat Kim Gardner's campaign as well. Illinois Republicans want House Speaker Michael Madigan to testify before a special committee investigating the powerful Democrat. Tony Arnold reports. The first meeting of the special committee investigating Madigan was just 30 minutes long, but it was a tense half hour as the gravity of what they're doing was palpable. It's not a criminal proceeding, but the House committee's investigation could be the basis for expelling Madigan out of the House of Representatives. Madigan dismisses it as political theater, and he faces no criminal charges. Republicans called for the committee after the power company Commonwealth Edison admitted to bribery for hiring and contracting with Madigan Associates to curry favor with the speaker. Both Democrats and Republicans spoke carefully as they decided that they first need to contact federal prosecutors about how they can investigate Madigan without interfering in the criminal investigation. I'm Tony Arnold. Arrangements are set for St. Louis Cardinals Hall of Famer Lou Brock. A public viewing will take place today between 5 and 8 p.m. at the Austin A. Lane Mortuary in St. Louis. The private funeral service will be tomorrow at 11 in the morning at Greater Grace Church in Ferguson. Brock died Sunday. He was 81. 
Writer Melda Beatty has her eye on the transfer of knowledge between generations of black Americans. This month, the Black Rep will present two of her plays online. Coconut Cake centers on a group of retired men who gather each morning for coffee and conversation. That performance streams tonight. Next weekend, Front Porch Society, which depicts a group of elderly women on the day Barack Obama was elected president. St. Louis Public Radio's Jeremy Goodwin asked Beatty what draws her to the stories of older Americans. It probably started as a kid um, listening to stories of older relatives. So my mothers, my aunts, my grandmothers. And so when they talk about their childhoods, they talk about the good old days, they talk about life in the South, I clung to every word. I find the experiences of the older black generation fascinating. They're full of perseverance, they're full of, 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 of determination, of triumph, and they're also full of a lot of hardship and some sadness and some dysfunction. And whatever reason that fascinates me. And so when I want, when I think about telling stories, they start there, they start in those memories. Mm. Yeah, in, in Coconut Cake, uh, Eddie and his friends are retired. They, they hang out at a McDonald's drinking coffee and reading the paper and sometimes playing chess. That's, those are details that really ring true. Mm-hmm. Coconut Cake is really based on some research that I did. I mean, I actually went to their spaces at McDonald's. I went to three separate, three or four separate McDonald's in Chicago early in the morning. And I sat there and I listened and I eavesdropped. And, and sometimes I would introduce myself and tell them what I was doing. It was fascinating. It was fascinating to hear them, their camaraderie, and this was their safe space. Just like on Front Porch Society, the front porch is the safe space for the women. The world of Front Porch Society, which is uh, several women on, yes, a, a front porch. They chat, the neighbor comes over, the postman comes by to chat for a bit. They all know each other from decades going past. It sounds like that's not necessarily an environment that you grew up in, but is it one that is very familiar to you? Yes, I didn't experience that in Mississippi, but many, many black families in the South did or still do. Uh, however, when I did get to Chicago, my grandmother uh, would sit on the front porch of her best friend's home and her best friend was named Miss Honey. And they would sit on the front porch and Miss Honey would sit on one end and my grandmother would sit on the other and they would be out there all day and they would talk or they would just be. Well, something that's fascinating to me about Front Porch Society is the way you indicate the long-term toll of anti-Black racism and the, the, the interplay of history and today. It takes place mainly on Election Day 2008. Yes. Uh, a day that a, a lot of people, particularly Black folks in this country, experienced as a moment of change, maybe even of transformation. But in your protagonist's world, much more palpable to her mm-hmm. is a 41-year-old crime, a racist crime oh. that, that, that haunts her. Right. When I decided to write From Poor Society, around that time, there was a scandal at a cemetery where I live. And that is the cemetery where Emmett Till's body was laid to rest. And so what happens in Front Porch Society is very reminiscent of what happened to Emmett Till. So you have this woman who has been carrying this pain in her heart. She doesn't know what to do with this pain. And so she brings it out onto her front porch 
every day. And she's been bringing it on this front porch for 41 years. Um, and that's true for society today. Unfortunately, what many black people are facing is reminiscent and still lingers from the past. That was St. Louis Public Radio's Jeremy Goodwin speaking with playwright Melda Beatty. Shula Newman is the executive editor of St. Louis Public Radio, music by Ryan McNeely of Adult Fur. Before wrapping up, today marks 19 years since the 9-11 attacks. We've done several September 11th remembrance stories over the years here at St. Louis Public Radio, including a report from Mary Leonard in 2016. She spoke with Kevin Boyer of Maryland Heights. He was on the 70th floor of the North Tower when the plane hit. Mary picks up the story. Boyer doesn't like talking about his experience, but he feels a duty to those who perished. It's just something that we should always remember. He was about a block away when the South Tower crumbled into a thick, dark cloud of ash and debris. You couldn't breathe, you couldn't see, you couldn't... I mean, you feel like, this is it. I didn't think there was any way we would make it out of that. Boyer still has the clothes he wore that morning. He wasn't injured, but his shirt is stained with someone's blood. The cuffs of his slacks have remnants of powdery ash. That's retired St. Louis Public Radio reporter Mary Leonard in 2016 telling the story of Kevin Boyer, who was in one of the Twin Towers on the morning of September 11, 2001. Observances will take place today throughout the country, including New York City and the Flight 93 Memorial in Pennsylvania. I'm Wayne Pratt. From the St. Louis Public Radio newsroom, this has been The Gateway. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association. Missouri produces wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details on the variety of products made in the state are at ChooseWood.com.